Is this normal? It's probably nothing serious. Maybe I'll feel better tomorrow. Emergency symptoms can be good at hiding. That's why you shouldn't ignore symptoms like chest pain, high fever, trouble breathing, or severe stomach pain. They could be a medical emergency in disguise. Thankfully, an Eastside ER is ready to serve you 24-7 with fast wait times and dedicated ER experts so we can quickly help turn your questions into answers. Visit eastsidemedical.com. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, it's time for Gwinnett Business Radio. Gwinnett Business Radio is cared for by Eastside Medical Center, providing quality care to Gwinnett County and the greater Atlanta area for over 38 years. And hello again, everybody, and welcome to Gwinnett Business Radio. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio here at the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. Mike Salmon alongside Stephen Julian. Hello, Stephen. Hey there, Mike. How are you? Doing very well. We've got three. Three. Not two, but three guests. We have three of them. In the studio today. We want to welcome uh, Bill Neglia with Neglia Insurance Group to the uh, studio today. Also, Todd Evans with Piper O'Brien, Her Architects, and Roop Singh with Intuit Factory. We're gonna have a busy show. We are. Let's get down to business. Yeah, let's take care of Eastside Medical Center first because we are cared for by Eastside Medical Center. Quality care close to home. Eastside Medical Center has been and will continue to be a community healthcare leader for over 39 years. Nationally recognized for patient safety, Eastside focuses on delivering quality care with exceptional outcomes by using the most advanced technology and experienced physicians. For more information on Eastside System of Care, visit eastsidemedical.com. And since we were talking baseball with some of our guests before the show, I will say batting first is Bill Neglia. Leading off. Leading, oh, even yeah. better. Leading off is yeah. Bill Neglia with the uh, Neglia Insurance Group. Good morning, Bill. Uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Stephen. Tell us all about Neglia Insurance Group and what you do. Uh, so Neglia Insurance Group is my own agency uh, that was created almost 36 years ago to the day, October uh, 1983. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank wow. you. Um, and what we are is we are a full-service independent insurance brokerage. Uh, we specialize in products such as health, life, long-term care, uh, long-term disability, dental vision, and Medicare products. Uh, we have access to partners that handle other things, but that's pretty much what the agency focuses on right now. Uh, and we generally work with individuals, families, uh, business owners, as well as their employees. And and I certainly wanted to focus on the fact you do work with individuals. That is very important. A lot of people in the insurance industry work with individuals. But the big reason I wanted to have you on the show, you're, you're my guest, so I'm glad you're here, mm-hmm. uh, is you work a lot with business owners and their employees when it comes to their insurance needs. And that's something that's been massively shifting in the last few years. What are some of the biggest ways you've been able to help business owners when it comes to their insurance needs? So the um, the corporate market uh, has changed over the years, uh, especially since the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, as some people uh, better know it as, uh, where there are certain situations where groups or man- employers are mandated to have coverage, where in the past that wasn't the case. Uh, but even in the smaller se- segment, which is defined as 2 to 50, uh, there have been some changes uh, for the better uh, that for, th- for the right group uh, can be much more cost effective uh, than traditional uh, insurance. And, and those products uh, require medical underwriting and basically healthy groups can save 20 to 40 percent above uh, over what a uh, a guaranteed ACA or Obamacare plan would cost. So I'm actually in the process of working with about a half a dozen different groups of all sizes, uh, where their pro- their premiums are so much less expensive because they're a healthy group. 
So it definitely uh, it, it helps the group keep their costs down, and it also allows the employers to to get better coverage for less premium to them as well. What are some of the what are some of the main groups? And this is not an exclusive list, but what are some of the groups that you've seen across the board? You've been able to really help. And I'm thinking people who are listening who would go, I can't. My insurance is a nightmare. I totally gave it up or whatever. What are some of the, the types of businesses? Or I noticed you said kind of a healthy group. So a small business where there's no pre-existing conditions, that might be one of the top of the list, right? Right. So, so industry classification is really not important. All groups are eligible. Uh, the, the issue is the health of the employees. So if you take a 20-person group and let's say one or two people within the group have some challenges the amount of premium that that's still spread out still minimizes the cost effect and that group can probably still save about 20 percent over a plan that doesn't ask medical questions but has a a built-in load to give you the maximum cost so so any group regardless okay of industry, so it doesn't matter the industry no. it just and it, and and it also doesn't have to be perfect health as long as there's not too many people correct and, and you're willing to answer some medical questions it, right. it's the a carriers use a debit through. and credit point system i like it People are always looking to find good deals when it comes to health insurance and try to lower their premiums. What's some advice you might give to the folks out there that are looking to lower their premiums? Uh, so shop. You have to shop. Uh, no one knows what we don't know. And the problem is a lot of agents are cookie cutters. They just take a name and a birth date, and they look at the, least, the easiest route to give somebody a quote without even doing the legwork to see what's the most appropriate. Our agency uses a detailed questionnaire fact-find process where we identify, based on the client's information, what their health history is, what their insurance needs are, uh, whether they have children out of state in college, because uh, a lot of HMOs will not cover somebody outside of Georgia. And if you have a child in, in Florida going to school, uh, you could have a problem. So I, un I uncover all that, or our agency uncovers that up front before we even start looking at products. And and I want to be clear here. When you say shop in today's world, sometimes that means well, that's just a couple of clicks. You, they need to be willing to put in an hour or two of work to answer some questions, right? That's really what you're trying to do. Well, I have made the questionnaire so simple. Ah, it really doesn't take the average person more than ten fifteen minutes oh, to okay. complete. Well, that's not bad um, at all. I, I'm not looking for them to go back twenty years in their history and tell me that they had you know the flu when they were nine. It's, it's more relevant current medical information. So no one has ever pushed back and said the questionnaire took them too much time I like it. and wasn't worth the effort. And, and if you're looking at saving 20, 25, 30% on your premiums, we're talking, uh, we're talking in, you know, in a family scenario, we're talking a few hundred dollars a month. That's worth the investment of some time. Every I'll, once I'll give you a great example. So, so in the individual market, uh, there are even greater opportunities to save money than in, in the group. Uh, recently, I had a, a, a individual come to me as a referral he was on cobra he his wife and three children were paying twenty eight hundred dollars a month for a basic anthem blue cross plan through a previous employer they were all healthy none of them was on medic they were on medications none of them had pre-existing conditions i was able to move them to a non-traditional united Healthcare individual program with a bigger network locally and nationally of doctors and hospitals and their premium came in at $1,100 a month. Yeah. <laughs> That's a couple of car payments that so, you could make. So, again, people need to be with the right individual, the right. right agency, and they need to be able to shop 
products, and, and, and that's where knowing their health history allowed me to give them this alternative. So we've talked about health insurance. Let's move over uh, quickly into, not quickly, but let's move over into life insurance. Uh, that's okay. another area that you handle. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people, when it comes to their life insurance, uh, it, it's kind of, well, yeah, I've got that covered. I, I did a policy a few years ago. Mm -hmm. There have been some changes. Uh, what, what do people need to be looking at when it comes to their policy? So every few years, the mortality tables change, and those are the tables that determine the cost of life insurance. And as we as a nation have lived or living longer, those rates are actually going down over time. Mm -hmm. So somebody who bought a life insurance policy 20 years ago at the 1980 mortality table, you know, can now 20, almost, you know, 20 years for, late, forward, the rate per thousand is probably 30% of what it was. Now, it doesn't mean the premium is going to be exactly the same because they're now 20 years older but the value on that insurance could be significantly better. The other enhancement that's been made in the life insurance market is that many plans now have a long-term care component included in life insurance, mm -hmm. which uh, long-term care is really the hotbed in insurance right now, it's the buzz. Especially if you or anybody you know has, has a, an elderly parent or relative or friend who's had, had the need for nursing or, or skilled or custodial care, the cost could be eight, ten thousand $10,000 a month. Um, Long-term care policies, which are designed to cover that exclusively, those can be quite expensive. And they have very strict underwriting guidelines. Life insurance plans with long-term care riders, the underwriting is not nearly as strict because it's still a life insurance policy running uh, as the engine of that. Uh, so you can have issues and still get the life insurance long-term care where the long-term care by itself might be declined. Uh, so, yeah, anybody with an old life insurance policy that hasn't looked it over uh, should probably get a checkup and see if they have the right policy for their current needs as well as their future objectives. We're talking with Bill Neglia with Neglia Insurance Group here on Gwinnett Business Radio. And when it comes to health insurance and life insurance and Medicaid and all that stuff. It can be very confusing. It can be very scary. It can be very intimidating to a lot of folks out there. And, and obviously, in the 10 minutes we have with you, we can't really do it justice as far as all the things we could talk about. So obviously, all the more reason to talk to somebody like you. Is there a, a cost or a charge for the consumer to talk with you or to work with your agency? No, no. Insurance agents in general are compensated by the insurance carrier. So the premium, whether you buy it from an agent like myself or you buy it from healthcare.gov or bluecross.com, uh, is exactly the same. It's already built into the premium. So Great. you might as well work with someone who's going to build a relationship. Especially and ask somebody right with 36 years experience and, and, and knowledge of other products. And, and my last question that I was going to ask was, uh, we talked about health insurance in the workplace, but you were talking about life insurance. You can do almost any business owner can provide a benefit around insurance. There's a lot of different insurance products that mm -hmm. business owners can offer to their group. And many times, not every time, but many times doing it as a group is going to help the individuals, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. Most of my groups that buy like a health plan, they're going to put in a group life plan as well. The cost is minimal. Right. You know, an employee can get twenty five, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 of group life for five bucks a month. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you, you can't get that going privately, and that doesn't require an exam. So somebody that, doesn't, that has health challenges, it's guaranteed issue in a, in a small group. So group rates around a business mm -hmm. is good for the owner as well as the employees. Absolutely. Yeah. 
All right, sounds like there's no reason not to have a conversation with you, Bill. For those that would like to reach out, find out more about Neglia Insurance Group, where can they get some information? Okay, so our website is www.negliainsurance.com, N-E-G-L-I-A-I-N-S-U-R-A-N-C-E. Phone number, best number is 404-433-8838. Alternative number would be 678 Four six one eight six zero one, and my email is bill at negliainsurance.com. And what area can you service? Georgia, outside Georgia? I'm currently licensed uh, in uh, ten uh, states, all okay. of the southeast, Ohio, Texas, and can get licensed anywhere in the country. Okay, great, Bill. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, licensed in ten states. It's almost like a little contest. Somebody can call them up. Oh, how about Virginia? Are you licensed? So they can find out. And if not, if the company's big enough, you'll get licensed to to handle them. Bill, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you, um, Mike. Waffle House. When I say Waffle House, what comes to your mind? Grilled cheese sandwiches. There you go. What comes to my mind is servant leadership. Waffle House manager trainees learn the business of serving others, no matter their backgrounds. Then they're off on a path to great success. Waffle House promotes from within, so all operations management start in the same place as a trainee. Then they advance to, depending on their work ethic and ability, to lead a team. They're looking for people who are ready to succeed. They're looking for people who want to grow as they grow. If that sounds like you, then go to whcareers.com. That's whcareers.com and learn more. All right, well done, Stephen. Our next guest here on the program is the VP of Business Development for Piper O'Brien, her architects. Todd Evans joins us. Good morning, Todd. Mike, good to, good to see you. Great to see you. I see, Todd, I see Todd at all the networking events around town as well. He gets out there and is, is getting the job done and getting that business uh, for the uh, company. Tell us all about Piper O'Brien, her architects, and what you guys do. You guys have been around for a while. We have been. We're going to celebrate our 50th anniversary in a few years. Um, we were founded in 71 by a gentleman named Ken Fisher, very talented designer, who uh, brought on board uh, three gentlemen who ended up taking over the company in the 80s, uh, uh, Jeff Piper, uh, Chuck O'Brien, and Terry Herr, thus the name uh, Piper O'Brien Herr Architects. Uh, we, we pretty much grew as Atlanta grew. Uh, we have been uh, very uh, successful in getting into those niche markets uh, here in Atlanta. Uh, we obviously, uh, Mr. Fisher started the firm at the right time, you know, the boomtown of, of, of the 1970s and then and then obviously into yeah. the 1980s. We, uh, I would say majority of our markets in the 80s were, was the retail market and, and housing. And then, uh, and then we kind of migrated over to, to office and to industrial and to automotive. So we're, we're pretty, pretty diverse right now. Uh, we're we're not as heavy as we used to be, especially in in uh, in retail. We all know retail bricks and mortar are somewhat suffering right now, but but uh, we're we still have a presence with that. In fact, probably our biggest job we've our most well known job we finished this year was a retail job. It was the, it was the uh, rooms to go there in, in Buckhead at uh, Piedmont and, and Peachtree. So uh, so bricks and mortar is not dead. We're still involved in that, but uh, we've definitely become more diverse as a, as a design firm. So Piper O'Brien and her has a fantastic history in this area. Um, talk a little bit about where you get, because you guys aren't resting on your laurels. You guys are continuing to move forward. Talk about uh, what you guys kind of have on the horizon, what, what you guys are getting involved in uh, and looking to do in the future. Yeah, great question. Uh, and Stephen, uh, uh, I would say that you know we're licensed in I believe 41 states, so we do projects all over the country. Uh, we have an office in Pittsburgh, 
we uh, we do a lot of automotive projects for for one of our clients, which is which is CarMax. They're one of our largest customers. Um, so we do projects all over the country for CarMax. We also do a lot of work for Infinity. Whenever Infinity rolls out their refresh. Uh, uh, program we we kind of go and meet with the with the the dealers for infinity so uh, I would say majority of our projects out of state are that that kind of automotive and retail but we are doing like for instance uh, mission critical is big for us right now uh, you know everything's in the cloud these days so we're doing we, we just finished uh, in the past year we finished two data centers over in Alabama one in Huntsville one in Birmingham um, we uh, were actually industrial is hot I think for most design firms that are doing industrial uh industrial is hot obviously with with all the e-commerce that's going on right now so we're we're in the, right in the middle of a project down in jacksonville florida uh, i believe 140,000 square foot industrial building in jacksonville florida and, and another and we're just about to start a uh, project with one of our one of our partners evans construction which is just right down the road from us in alpharetta uh we're about to do a an industrial building down in orlando so uh, florida's been good to us recently alabama's been good to us and uh, pretty much wherever CarMax goes, uh, they've been good to us. So, um. Todd, let me ask you about the you know architectural design. You know, um, you know every architectural company is a little bit different. Is there anything that makes Piper O'Brien her unique? In other words, if we, I were to pass a building that you guys kind of designed, I can tell that's 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 one of your buildings. What would is there anything that would make it stand out or be different from maybe some of your competitors out there? I would say not necessarily on the design. Just driving by a a. a, a building you wouldn't say that's a piper building because we really we try not to be we try to give the customer what they want so we're, we, we, we're not temperamental we're not uh you know we don't try to say this this you know you must have this um right this added to your uh to your building because I mean, that's that's what i love about working there is is we're really focused on the customer and what they want and we're not going to be in fact one of the one of the questions i always get asked whenever i'm trying to drum up new businesses Hey, I have an idea what I want our our building to be. You're not going to be this, um, you know, almost like an artist that, that you know I, I'm the artist. And you must do it like I say, and and that's one of the things I try to reassure everybody that that talks to me and and I'm who we're trying to do business with is, hey, we have ideas, we have very talented designers, but we're not going to give you something you don't want. So, you're so Mike, listen. I'm glad you asked that question. You're going to listen, right? We do not want to say, hey, we have to have this this element or this uh you know you know uh, keystone or whatever or whatever right part of of your development we must have that because we have to be you know that has to be known as a piper building right no we're not that way we're, we're we want to give you what you want uh you know 94 percent of our business is repeat business uh so what we've discovered is once they use us one time they continue to to use us so we're very pleased about the repeat business that we've gotten uh, I think I would say one thing that differentiates us is we have uh, our our architects uh, have a you know some of them have like multiple decades of experience with us. So what they do is 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 once they once our clients uh, get with a project manager or, or get to know a project manager, they want that same project manager for all their jobs. So uh, one thing with us is you're not going to start with the A team and finish with the C team. That's one of the things we, we make sure that does not happen. If you, if you have a project manager that you've done a multiple projects with, you're going to get that same project manager, and that same project manager is going to be there when you're doing the punch list at the end. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why you know, clients like Fuquay and CarMax and 
ridgeline industrial that's why they continue to come back to us because they know what they're getting and 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 obviously what they're getting they're they're, they're satisfied with todd you said over 90 percent of your business is, is repeat business or, or referrals uh, but you also talked about drumming up new business. So this may be kind of a, a weird question. For example, Bill, we know is in the insurance company. So when he talks to folks, he goes and let me talk to you about your insurance. How do you drum up new business for an architectural company? I mean, you go you, to someone like Steve and say, Stephen, yeah, can yes. I can I build you a building yeah, and you design ask it for everyone you? you network with? Hey, how, you building a building? Yeah. How, how do you drum up the new business? <laughs> well, obviously, you know, I, I know Mike. You and I are University of Georgia graduates, so. Uh, we can't say we're architects. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> Be careful. We got a yellow jacket here. We can't say we're architects. I, I don't know any architect that went to UGA unless they were a you know a landscape architect. Exactly. So uh, so I make it clear that I'm I'm a liberal arts major. I ended up getting my MBA uh, later on in life, but uh, I mean I, I I make it clear to people, hey, I'm not an architect. I, I'm a person that has has been out in the in the uh, development community throughout the state. Uh, more concentrated more in this 85 quarter because of my, my time at a utility or uh, just up the road. Um, all the my bosses have asked me to do is to bring them, make them aware of projects that are going on. So so what I do is I, if I if Stephen is a is a developer, I would meet with Stephen. I would find out potentially what projects he's working on and then try to bring an architect or a project manager on to, to meet with him to to possibly make him feel comfortable with our with our firm I'm, I'm i'm the people person i'm the i'm the person out there trying to find the projects and then i turn it over to our to our and, professional and the sales process in in what you guys do is a very long process and and what you're looking to do is let us let us quote the bit i mean let us let us show you what we would do with the project right? it, it can be a long process but 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 one of the things that i love about this economy is and i, I think i came on at the right time is is the economy is booming so much it's been a great stress test mm. for the for the building community here in here in atlanta and what we're doing is we're getting a lot of calls for people that hey we we see the same old designs we're dealing with the same old people you know we we need some new designs we need to we you know or or maybe even worse than that maybe the the client that they or the uh the the architect that they used before did a terrible job you know we want to maybe reach out to you guys and just we 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 know about your reputation let's reach out to you guys and see what you have so we've been able to to uh since i've been there uh take on some new clients people that we've not done business with before uh may, partly because they weren't happy with their their current architect or maybe they're just like hey let's just use somebody different and and the fact that 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 we're out there i say i have two other business development um, colleagues of mine that are out there uh we're out there finding out about these projects and and, and i guess opening doors that, w that have never been opened before so i'm very pleased i've been there a year and a half very pleased at at, uh, at the new business that that we've been able to to uh acquire and and it's good to be back in atlanta i um I was here in this, these studios three years ago at a different firm or different company, and went took a few years at, uh, over went over to Austin, Texas for a few years, and and but Atlanta's home, and I'm I'm glad to be back. Well, great to have you here, Todd. And for those that would like to find out more about the firm, where can they get that information? Well, obviously our website pohrchitects.com, uh, and you're welcome to call me on my cell phone five one two nine zero two zero eight zero nine, and uh, and then we're pretty active in the community around here so or just grab me at a local business after hours or chamber event all you'll right probably see one of us there absolutely and that website one time again and for those that are you know like like me georgia graduates and you know not sure how to spell architects <laughs> go ahead and spell it out 
Yeah, POH. I can make fun of Georgia. He's, Steven's looking at me. I can make fun of Georgia graduates because I am a Georgia you, graduate. Because you is one. Yes, yeah. I is one. <laughs> so POH Architects, just like you would spell it, dot uh, com. Is George Costanza at the firm? Because no, he, he, he always wanted to be yeah, there. But, but you know what? We, we did get a call from uh, uh, the... Uh, Vandalay Industries? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vandalay Industries. Uh, they they talked about something about we a... Talk, we talked about baseball and Seinfeld off the air, so I thought I'd... You brought up Seinfeld references. You know, he still didn't spell architects. Oh, he, A-R- goes, he goes architects like you would normally spell it. A-R-C-H-I-T-E-C-T-S, right? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. It takes, yeah. takes a tech grad hey, to... Tech uh, guy <laughs> told us to... Uh, <laughs> Todd, thank you so much. And the yeah, square root you. of the word architect... No, I'm sorry. I'm just... I was a history... But uh, the Georgia the ones, we're the, we're the social ones that can actually have You're the ones who do the business, people. right? You bring yeah. the business in. There you go. And, and thank you, Todd. The nerds thank, handle thanks for having me. Hey, Mike, uh, before we bring on our last guest, I want to remind everybody that uh, Gwinnett Business Radio does come to you from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio. Love is what makes a Subaru get big savings and enjoy their hassle-free experience at Subaru of Gwinnett, where people sell cars. Visit SubaruofGwinnett.com and join their family today. Come in and see the difference. Are you already a Subaruist? And follow Subaru of Gwinnett's Facebook page for the latest Subaru offers, news, and community events. Sounding good, Stephen. Our third guest is Roop Singh. He's the um, founder and CEO of Intuit Factory. Roop, good morning. Good morning. Great to see you. Tell us all about Intuit Factory. What does your company do? Sure, happy to, and thanks for having me here. Uh, so Intuit Factory is a blockchain education and strategy firm, and what was interesting about the discussion today, we touched on a number of different industries, be it insurance, be it real estate or architecture, and even Seinfeld, media. <laughs> so blockchain is going to be prevalent technology in all of these industries. Blockchain is disrupting over 50 industries now. It will be something that will be permeated uh, uh, It'll permeate our lives in a way that internet has, and as consumers, may, we may not even know that we are using something that's based or built on a blockchain network or a blockchain platform. In the same way that you use the internet today, you use Facebook, you use Instagram, you don't question how does TCP IP protocol work or how does the internet actually function. All right, Roop, I am allowed to ask one ignorant question every show, and it is a miracle that we've made it to the third interview, and I haven't asked that ignorant question, so I think I'm going to use it now. There are a lot of people that are probably listening. uh, Everybody that's listening has probably heard the term blockchain, Uh but most people would not be as willing as I am to go, I have no idea what it actually is. <laughs> Can you explain what blockchain is to Yeah, you? happy to. And I get that all the time. I it's, bet you it's, do. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not as uncommon as you think. So the, without getting into a longer discussion, um, blockchain is a distributed ledger that has a shared state. So let's just use an example in this room. We have five people sitting across the table. If we were to send money in today's world uh, amongst these five people, or let's go back, I don't know, 500 years ago. If Mike was to send money to Stephen, how would we keep a record of it? At that time, what we did is each person kept record of it. Stephen would have a record of, I sent money to Bill, um, and then Bill would have record of, I sent money to Stephen, et cetera, et cetera, and we will keep individual records or in other terms ledgers of our transactions amongst or uh, for each party. Then we went to an era where we had third parties called banks. We said, okay, we don't trust each other because I could fudge my record and so could Steven. So why don't we find this other third party that should keep all the records of our transactions and say whatever the bank says is the truth of the moment is the set of transactions that we all believe to be true. 
and we have been in that era for the last i don't know 300 years or so now we're coming to an era where there is a better way of doing it and the way is this let's say that we did all these transactions amongst each other and we had 50 of these transactions every moment that we did the transaction how about we publish that transaction in a shared wall in front of us it's a metaphor not to be literal so the shared wall in front of us becomes the version of the truth that we all believe is true in the moment because we can all see it and as soon as we publish it it's there for everybody else to see so there is no way that that could be changed that's the other part so blockchain gives us few things it gives us immutability of transactions once it's published on the shared wall i.e the blockchain it cannot be ever changed or or uh, removed or edited in some way and it also gives us this element of provenance means we could go back and audit our own transactions or somebody else could come see it and we're not relying on any third party we're not relying on anybody else to keep track of it we have a shared resource that we can all use to prove the trust and authenticity of those transactions that is a fantastic explanation. I think I actually know a lot more now than I did about two minutes ago, so thank you for that. Um, Intuit Factory, what you are, uh, your company is, is mainly around the education of blockchain, correct? Yes. So what? So let me just ask then. So I've got. I still got maybe. So you said that was an ignorant question. So I still got it. So this might be it now. Um, how? Exa what exactly do you got? What do you do at, at uh, Intuit Factory, and, and what is your end goal of what you're trying right, to accomplish? Right. For sure. So we have three main areas that we work in. One is education, the second is advisory, and third is investment due diligence. Uh, in terms of education, as you expressed, people have heard about blockchain, but the question is not that you understand the foundational technology. The question is, can you find use cases, applications within that or using that technology, and then can you create businesses out of it? Unless you do that, there's no, it's not of any value to somebody. So when, you, when we talk to a lot of senior executives and entrepreneurs, and our goal is to help them go from awareness, from curiosity, to deep understanding, to then action and investment. And as such, we've created a few programs for that. Uh, one is called Blockchain Strategy for Business Leaders. This is taught uh, in partnership with Robinson College of Business at Georgia State University as an executive education program. It's a very comprehensive three-day certificate-based program that I've designed and, and I teach to help executives and entrepreneurs go through this journey of blockchain. If you've heard about it, if you're curious about it, but you don't know how it applies to your environment, your industry, what is gonna be disruptive, how can you prepare for the next transformation to come, we help you go from basics to understanding use cases and developing business models in that space. We've developed a similar program, a shorter one, called Blockchain Strategy and Innovation Workshop which is now taught with our partners at Paramount Software. It's about to uh, be launched soon. Uh, that's a shorter program, similar idea. So we teach these programs at business schools and also customize ones inside companies to take executives through that journey. That's in the education space. Uh, in the advisory space, we take that further. We design a, a technology architecture behind your business use case, and we help you navigate that use case to a pilot, uh, to a POC, so you can actually have applications that use blockchain, and we can start uh, onboarding the ecosystem on it. We can start getting customers on it, etc. Then uh, in the due diligence and in investment space, what we did is we started looking at the question called uh, question titled, why do blockchain companies fail? There were a lot of blockchain companies that came about in, you know, let's say from 2013 uh, to today, 
and a lot of them failed and a few of them succeeded. So why do blockchain companies fail and hence why do they succeed? Which factors are important? Which factors are more important than other factors? Since this is a new and transformative space, even for the technology industry, there are no comparables. There are n there's not much data to say which way the industry would go, which use cases would be successful, which companies would be the next unicorns. So we developed this model with a set of uh, uh, really talented PhDs, and it's a you know as any nerd would tell you, uh, the <laughs> quantitative models that that evolve over time. But we use this model in two ways: one to help startup companies understand which dimensions are they doing well on and which dimensions do they need to improve where should they spend their time effort and resources and then we help private equity and venture funds to understand which horse to back they get a lot of pitches blockchain companies coming to them looking for funding the question for them is which one of these will be a unicorn tomorrow or would be a very successful company for them but how do you make that assessment at an earlier stage at a later stage anybody could could come and make a judgment looking at financial data but how do you make that assessment based on what's happening in the ecosystem so our model helps with that uh, funny question for you. Do you consider yourself a nerd? You use the term. I'm just With love of my heart, I'm asking. Do you consider yourself a nerd? <laughs> I'm a reformed nerd. An informed nerd. Very Reform, good. Reformed nerd. Reformed nerd. Reformed reformed nerd. nerd. Yes. Very You're good. You're a nerd who can speak to the public. Exactly. That's what a reformed <laughs> nerd is, right? Yeah, the other way I put it is I'm a once upon a geek. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. Very good. You, you talked about how years ago we, we started off with ledgers, then we went to banks, and now the blockchain. Any ideas of what the future may hold, if you can make some predictions? Yeah. Oh, that'll be. <laughs> um, it, the world is is full of possibilities, and it's a very exciting space to be in. So, I think all the industries that we talked about today, as I said before, will have uh, some blockchain applications. Here are a few predictions. All the payments that we do today, be retail payments between individuals or between company and an individual, or trade finance payment between large companies for shipments, let's say coming for uh, the goods that you buy overseas in bulk. Most of those payments will go to some form of blockchain-based or cryptographically secured money transfer system. It will move away from the today's world of financial infrastructure that banks have created. And my guess is about 50% of these payments would, would move on to a, a blockchain-based platform in the next 10 years or so. So it's not that far in, in the future. Uh, the second prediction I would make is all forms of data exchange, be it, you know, think about the data that you share today in the world. All of that data eventually will be shared with a blockchain-based platform or a network as an underlying layer because it's more secure, because it's more uh, process efficient to do so. A third prediction I could make is recently we've been seeing a lot of activi activity in the digital assets space. What that means is we could tokenize everything on this planet, including this building that we're sitting at. You talked about real estate earlier. All the buildings, you know, you start a project, um, uh, you're looking to raise funds when you start a project or somebody wants to start making a building or a hotel or, or a mall or anything. There is a possibility to now tokenize those real estate assets and we will be eventually using tokenized version of real, assets, be it buildings, or be it uh, company shares, or be it options, or be it derivatives, uh, as a blockchain-based digital asset security tokens. And this is a new area that we see a lot of activity in the last uh, four or five months. It's been under development for the last five years, but it's suddenly picking up now.
Wow. Not to trivialize it, but it almost seems like a video game. It's just, you know, everything is going, mm-hmm. you know, technical, tech and video and digital and, and all this stuff. Right. And actually, there are a lot of applications of blockchain and digital assets in the video game industry. I was talking to somebody yesterday. They were talking about making these virtual goods within video games. So you can then trade that within the video game or you could go across different games and, and share that with other players. So here's my here's my I've I've tried to ask two ignorant questions. <laughs> Apparently I wasn't ignorant <laughs> enough, so that's good. So this would be my closest gotcha question. When you're talking about moving from banks to to blockchain and, and digital payments, will the eventual thing be to uh, that the monetary system completely is not used and, and everything is done on blockchain? Because the one thing in the monetary system that the blockchain and online and digital payment doesn't have is the buck stops with somebody, mm-hmm. right? So in monetary, it, it, the reason the banks are there and trusted is because when you show up to get your money, it's there. Mm-hmm. The idea of there are some things of blockchain of of what is it actually worth? Well, you know, this crypto mm-hmm. used to be worth thirty two thousand a coin, and now mm-hmm. it's down to eight. And so, wait a minute, hold on. Where there's there's got to be a backstop at some point. Yeah. Is that's what is that what is missing to take that next step? Yeah, that's a very interesting question and uh, a slightly longer discussion. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I, that might have been my nerd uh, coming out <laughs> just a little bit. I feel you. Yeah, I, yeah. I get into these the rabbit holes all the time. Yeah, yeah. So I'll point out two different uh, elements of it. One, I don't have that extreme viewpoint where a monetary system will not exist. I think what's happening is, and you'll see this, uh, in fact, we're writing an analysis paper on that, and it, we have an event coming up talking about uh, Facebook's Libra, the mm. cryptocurrency in the right. blockchain network they announced. So regardless of Facebook being successful in this initiative or not, what's happened is that other private companies and other governments have to respond to this new evolution of technology. So China has announced that they will issue their own state-backed cryptocurrency. That's it. Russia's been working on it. Eventually, at some point, U.S. will get in the game as well, and so do most of the world uh, uh, governments. They have no escape. They they have to. They must respond. And it's because of the efficiency. I mean, so one of the things that comes out in through blockchain is is how much more efficient. And the the issue with monetary is, well, this is my monetary system. That's your monetary system. If I have a problem with your monetary system, we can do some things. If everybody has to come together with their monetary system to this, that that's where it might work the most efficiently and most effectively. Right. So the, the interesting part is uh, the paper that we're writing, the title of it is uh, Facebook has now started an arms race for crypto-based sovereign assets. Yeah. Right. So that's a whole new world that we're talking about. We right. have now questioned the value of money itself and uh, in, in what we consider valuable if you look in the digital asset space. Yeah. So again, a longer discussion, but the exciting part to me is that these discussions are happening mm. because of, of this evolution, we are now having these global discussions in, in various forms. And, you know, it is up to us as a, as a uh, U.S. society and as a global society to figure out how our response should be to these evolutions. Wow. Our guest has been Roop Singh with Intuit Factory here on Gwinnett Business Radio. Uh, Roop, for those that would like to find out more about your company, where can they get information? Sure. Uh, happy to. It's uh, intuitfactory.com, I-N-T-U-I-T. F-A-C-T-O-R-Y dot com. And you can go there, look for our uh, two executive education workshops that are coming up. Uh, One is at the Robinson College of Business coming up on October 30th to November 1st. And then the other one, which is at Paramount, a two-day workshop, 
uh, October third, uh, November 13th to 14th. And a lot of the details are on the website there. Absolutely. Great, great. Roop Singh with Intuit Factory, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. It's been fun. I also want to thank our other guests, Todd Evans with uh, Piper O'Brien, her architects, and Bill Neglia with Neglia Insurance Group. Thank you all three for joining us today. My brain hurts. <laughs> I was well, enjoying your, that Georgia Tech education, we, that inner nerd coming we, at you. I loved it. Well, uh, we, we got deep into some good insurance stuff. We got deep into construction and architecture. And then we got and then we had to go online and get involved in uh, blockchain and crypto. And, yeah, my brain hurts by the way. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll let your brain take a rest. I want to thank uh, Very good uh, our listeners. want to thank uh, Amanda for her help behind the scenes as our producer. Woo-hoo! A reminder to uh, follow us, any, uh, follow us uh, on businessradiox.com. Select the Gwinnett Studio. You'll see all of our shows, including this one, and you can listen to any of our episodes from seven years' worth of shows on Gwinnett Business Radio. Also, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn at Gwinnett Radio X. Mike, speaking of following us online, I celebrated a work anniversary. Yes. It was it was uh, six years ago that, I, that you first asked me. <laughs> Come on, quit at Business Radio. Yeah, we got co-host. anniversaries and birthdays all yeah, over the and everybody place. Was, it was celebrating my work anniversary on LinkedIn. It was very nice. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you for bringing me on the air. <laughs> Absolutely. And no, thank you even more for keeping you on the air. Yeah, well, yes, every week. I'm lucky to <laughs> not be fired. All right, Forrest, no, don't worry about that. Forrest, Steve, and I, Mike, we'll see you next time here on Gwinnett Business Radio. 